previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. In terms of like, the canon and the timeline, there is just one Resident Evil 2. There's a passionate community. It's the time frame. It's a PlayStation. And it's the only one of the era that still hasn't got a modern talent. It's just new information. It's like the stuff that would be added in the Chronicles games. It's just new information that can be added to the old. Yeah, it does come out of left field somewhat, caught suddenly referring to it as Nest, but it's more of like a a Chronicles-type addition rather than a retcon. The official Project Umbrella podcast view on its canon is it's not canon until it is, or not. And welcome to episode 52 of the Project Umbrella podcast, the longest running Resident Evil podcast on the internet. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's on tonight's panel, and what a panel. He knows more about Biohazard than anyone really ought to. It's Batman. Hello. Join him on Twitch to watch him battle through and usually succumb to the undead in Resident Evil Outbreak. It stars Tyrant. Thank you and hello. He's a veteran of Biohazard and a pioneer of classic fan sites. It's Rombie. Hello. And finally, we are honoured to have a very special guest for this podcast. It's Cat. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, guys. <laughs> Not a problem at all. As you may have worked out from the presence of Cat, this is a very special podcast as we'll be asking all the burning questions to our fandom's community manager. What better way to celebrate the series' 23rd anniversary? It's today. It is today. Yes, March 22nd. There we go. Happy 23rd birthday, Resident Evil. You are, um, I was going to say, you're you're old enough to drink? No, you, you've already been <laughs> old enough <laughs> to drink. <laughs> So we will, of course, be catching up with all the news. We're aware that we've been dedicating the time to the Resident Evil 2 remake and we've missed out a bit of news. So we're going to catch up with that and also having a look at what we've been up to on the Facebook and YouTube pages. We then turn our attention to our special guest and asking her some biohazard questions, including her experiences, community role and uh, hopes moving forward. We will then bravely invite Kat to join us for (laughs) Neptune's biohazard quiz. (laughs) <laughs> no pressure there. Oh, I'm ready. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll first turn to the news. So the first bit of news that's happened uh, since the last podcast, the Resident Evil 2 remake sales figures have been released and it's been a commercial success, selling uh, at least 4 million copies. 3 million of that was in the first week alone. So really good uh, scores there, which obviously accompany the review scores they've got. And Capcom have also announced the total Biohazard series numbers is now a whopping 90 million, which is, uh, by all accounts, (laughs) sensational. That's going to be a milestone, isn't it, when it's 100?
the next bit of news, Resident Evil HD Remaster, Resident Evil Zero HD Remaster, and Resident Evil 4 are all coming to Nintendo's popular Switch console on the 21st of May this year. Digital releases in the UK, but it will join Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2 on the uh, hybrid console. Sean, you have a Switch. I do have a Switch. Are you <laughs> are you excited about playing Resident Evil 1, um, 0 and 4 in places that you couldn't before? I'm particularly intrigued to see what the remake and Zero will look like on that screen because anyone who's ever done um, remote play on the Vita, they look absolutely exquisite, you know, on the sort of smaller screens. So I imagine it'll look fantastic on the Switch, actually. Does the Switch have Sado surround sound? So if you've got good headset, would it work quite well? I do not know. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll edit that out then. <laughs> I say keep it in. <laughs> and it's nice that um, obviously it gets to sort of come home again to Nintendo since obviously that's where the remake and Zero began their life. They did. The, the GameCube. And, and four. four. Yeah. So they will be released fairly shortly, not long to wait for them. I think it's been quite a lot of uh, excitement building um, about that, so um, keep your eyes peeled. The final bit of news, very briefly, a Netflix TV series is apparently in the works. We uh, wait with bated breath, but this... uh, (laughs) Well, uh, there's news this week that Jurassic Park's getting a Netflix TV series, so who knows? I think there is a bit of a clamour for Resident Evil on the small screen. If anyone's seen the Arclay pilot episode, less Resident Evil features, then, um, you know, that wasn't too bad. We'll see, because obviously Capcom still provided the rights to Constantine, so they're still involved, whether or not they want to keep it completely separate or try and link it to whatever they reboot the film franchise to or the original film franchise who knows so it'll be very interesting to see what path it goes down oh what possible universe developing if it's going to be linked to the yeah yeah exactly Okay, a bit of site news, everyone. Our trilogy of podcasts covering Resident Evil 2 is now ready to download from our usual destinations. We include our review of the game in episode 50. We have community comments in episode 50.5. I just homage there to 1.5. And then the great canon debate of our time is seen in episode 51. Great fan feedback um, and input from everyone, especially with 50.5, so we really appreciate that. Other news, Stars Tyrant, he's been twitching again. <laughs> <laughs> this time, he's been playing Resident Evil Director's Cut Dual Shock Edition. I felt like it was my duty to bring that soundtrack to the world. Yes, interesting soundtrack, I think, is a, <laughs> a polite way of describing it. If you've never heard it, I would strongly recommend you check it out. Please do, seriously. That, that's an order. <laughs> There we go. If that's not a directive, I don't know what is. Oddly, though, I will say there are some really good tracks hidden. The pressing thing is, actually, there's a couple of tracks in there which do fit quite well. I mean, obviously, it's not comparable to the original soundtrack, which still holds up now. But, you know, you can see the idea in some of the tracks. And then we followed that up with a N64 Resident Evil 2 showcase. Yes. Which was great, because I know a lot of other people aren't familiar with the X-Files or the appearance of the Hunter in the lab. So that was really, really fun to show people, that was. Unfortunately, Twitch decided to not record one part of it, so I can't give you guys a YouTube version, unfortunately. But that was interesting to see the technical uh, limitations overcome by Angel Studios as well and importing it over. But it's a great watch. would encourage anyone to have a peek over that on the YouTube page. Uh, Rob, you've also caught the streaming bug. I do hear it's contagious. 
Avengers. And you've started with a uh, playthrough of Resident Evil 4. I started and then I didn't continue because I was having technical issues, so kind of like you. Yeah, so I started doing the first part of the, the game and then kind of stopped. But I'll try and return to it. I've still got the save file. I continued playing anyway when I couldn't. I was like, ah, I'm still enjoying this, so I'll come back to it at some point. Right, well, that does conclude all the news. So we now turn our attention to the main focal point of this podcast is our interview with the lovely cat. has very kindly uh, agreed to be interviewed for us. More or less. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. This is an incredible honour and privilege. As uh, someone who's been following Resident Evil myself for a long time, obviously I've known of um, Project Umbrella and the podcast as well. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, not a problem. We're really, really pleased that you've uh, taken your time out to um, have a chat with us. So for anyone not in the know, Kat is Capcom's community manager. So I think the first question, how have you found the overall experience of being the community manager for uh, Resident Evil? Oh, oh my gosh. it's uh, It's been an absolutely amazing adventure so far. I mean, you get to travel... Uh, you get to learn so many new things. You get to meet a lot of new friends and people. Every day I get to speak to a lot of uh, people who share my passions. And honestly, it's just such a privilege to do what I do. I feel very grateful. And I still have days when I kind of wake up and I'm awestruck. Like, oh, I got to get to work. Oh, wait, I work for Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that still happens. One thing I will say is uh, one of the most rewarding things and one of the most things I've been the most excited about about since I started working here is uh, seeing how much the Resident Evil community has grown. There's a lot of new people who are either discovering the series for the first time or they're kind of remembering like, oh, wait, is that the game I played back in 98? Oh, man, it's coming out again. And, you know, say they replayed the series. So that's been something I've really enjoyed is kind of seeing so many new and old faces returning to the community. And um, also just, you know, as I said, being a hardcore RE fan myself, seeing everyone's everyone's sharing their creativity and seeing their streams and videos and art. It really kind of has reignited my own passion for the series a lot as well. Yeah, all in all, it's been fantastic. Awesome. I certainly agree with you. The um, coverage, if you like, of Resident Evil 2 has um, been extremely positive and, you know, you can't not go on YouTube without seeing people commenting and putting videos up of Resident Evil 2 and I think what you're saying with the that kind of link to nostalgia and bringing people back in the series is absolutely spot on. I was going to say certainly the, the healthiest I've seen it in you know absolutely years. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. about a decade, I think, since Five. Five, they really pushed that social media thing. And so the fact that Capcom's making such a big attempt at making... Like, even the um, roundtable chat stuff that's come up in the videos, that's been amazing. Like, just really, really focused on making sure that people are aware of this game and that they get to understand how it was developed. I guess because it was for the fans, they wanted to really share it with everyone. It's really cool. Well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy for us to be excited about making all this new and fresh content as well when we see how excited you guys have been about the games as well so awesome are you uh Cal, you're able to share with us how you managed to secure your position uh, as the community right manager? so there's no secret trick i applied for the job just like everyone else <laughs> 
so I remember it was early to mid-January when I first saw the position on Twitter. I actually didn't even think to try for the position. It wasn't on my mind until kind of nearing the closing dates of the application. So because I actually worried I didn't have enough experience, I figured, you know, who would take me on? I, I have no, I've never worked in the games industry before. And I just thought, you know, a job like this, though, is literally my dream come true. It was too tempting to pass it up. So I just had to pull together all the knowledge I have of Resident Evil and all the experiences I've had so far as an influencer, you know, because I was previously a live streamer and content creator on YouTube. So everything I knew about streaming and social media, videography, community management, photo and video editing. And, you know, I just put all that together and I tried for fun. And I had nothing to lose. <laughs> that is until I passed on to round two. And this is where I was actually requested to do a remote interview. <laughs> it's not getting serious now. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it was the most important thing I'd ever done in my life. I remember it was so terrifying. I was nervous about it for weeks and just literally hammered down every single detail just to make sure I had everything right. And after that interview, I was pretty sure I'd not pass on. You know, I figured, oh, here, this is where it ends for me. Oh, well, it's been a fun ride. But to my utter shock, I actually discovered that I had been invited to London for a final interview at the Capcom offices. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the most nerve-wracking two weeks of my life. I never even got on a plane before. Oh, wow. For the first time, I got on my plane, went to London, um, and I felt like I was chasing an impossible dream. But, you know, I figured, what the heck, at least I'll get to see the Capcom office, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. But shortly after the interview, I actually found out I got the job. And... I ended up screaming into the phone of the poor HR person, which I'm pretty sure she went partially deaf after that. <laughs> and the rest is history. I basically had less than a month to arrange a move from Sweden to London, but I somehow pulled through and I did it. Let me just put it this way. I, I hope anyone else that's out there listening and thinking, oh, damn. Should I maybe pull off something crazy like that? If it's something you really want, I can go for it. Absolutely. They can only say no. Exactly. Mm. Why not push yourself and see where you go? That's interesting, your you know, your quick move from Sweden to London. You're going through something similar at the moment. <laughs> oh, it was um it was pretty chaotic. In retrospect, I don't honestly know how I pulled it off. But... <laughs> Here I am. So that's a huge learning curve, not only to go into a new job, but then to have like an entire move partway around the world to a place that you don't know that yeah. well. It's, new it's culture, huge. just new everything. It's been quite crazy, and then you have to readjust to everything at the same time. And and London yeah. has got a very unique vibe, even to the rest of England. So um, yeah, <laughs> all the world really, yeah. like just like differently. So, wow. So um, that was certainly a uh, an interesting experience. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, as you as you alluded to, you're um, you, you're a long term fan of Biohazard, but many fans may not be mm -hmm. aware that you know you're a bit of a Biohazard vet if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> um, mm, I, yeah, that is correct. So uh, I actually discovered Resident Evil in the Spice Girls and NSYNC era known as 1998. Go power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first game was the original Resident Evil 2, obviously, and I was nine years old. And I remember I played it and I died about a million times on the way to the RPD. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom had to freaking help me with one of the puzzles. But... <laughs> I'll never forget that. Uh, but I quickly picked up on the basics. And I think one of the first reasons I actually started loving the game was because of Claire, 
Miss Redfield. You know, she had her hair and a brown ponytail, just like me. She was dressed in my favorite color at the time, which was pink. And she just kind of looked and sounded so cool and badass. And she was actually a huge role model for me as I was growing up. So, well, Claire was one of the reasons. The other reason is I've always kind of had a fondness for horrors and zombies and the macabre. Is that how it's pronounced? Macabre? Yes. (laughs) Macabre? I got it right the first time. But I think one of the reasons RE2 stood out to me so much was just that feeling of dread and fear that you felt when you were exploring, uh, especially the RPD, because it kind of makes you think like, wait, where do these zombies come from? I remember when I was dying, like I said, thinking, what is that inside out creature? What is it? (laughs) And there was just a sense of mystery to it all. And I was dying to uncover the truth. And who had set up these intricate puzzles? What had happened here? You know how in Resident Evil especially, it feels like almost each room kind of tells its own story and it kind of makes you wonder, oh, like, hey, what happened in this room? It kind of made you feel like a bit of a detective to figure out all these things and solve all the various puzzles. And it was incredibly rewarding. And I think that formula kind of carried over into the other RE games. After RE2, I tried RE3 and RE1 and Code Veronica and... The rest is history. I just I fell in love with the franchise. Certainly, that story uh, resonates probably to the vast majority of Resident Evil fans. And to an extent, <laughs> it doesn't matter at what point you pick it up, because a lot of those elements have remained very much in place. And certainly the mystery behind it, all the games, even perhaps the more action-orientated games, um, still have that element that you want to continue onwards to find out what the hell's going on. Yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 4, not to steer away from the topic too much, but Resident Evil 4 is a prime example of that. You know, there's still that mystery, especially in the earlier parts of the game, the village and even the castle. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's um, awesome, Kat, how you mentioned Claire being a role model and then Capcom let you wear the actual jacket for the remake. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That must have been a real treat, that. Yeah, so to give you guys a bit more context, you dear listeners, before the release of RE2 Remake, Capcom Japan, graciously enough, sent over the actual in-game model jacket that was Amazing. that belonged to Claire that they scanned into the game. And I got to wear it. I, I toted <laughs> it around for a month. <laughs> I went to Comic-Con with it and I did all sorts of stuff. So I have a professional photo shoot. So that was, it honestly felt like that jacket had magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Especially, if, as you said, you're kind of favorite character there is Claire and I think even with perhaps the limitations of the hardware back in Resident Evil 2 days the way the story was portrayed in Resident Evil 2 really showed her character progression throughout the game and um, I don't mm. I don't blame you for looking up to her as a role model at that age yeah uh, for that reason although I will stress again probably not the best game to play for a nine-year-old well i was going to say i was going to say say that too yeah i was gonna say did you tell capcom this when you went in for the job interview and they were asking for a little bit of background he's like oh yeah i started playing resident evil when i was nine they're they're very well versed in my uh fandom of the series i don't think you're the only one i don't think you're the only one i'm sure there's plenty (laughs) no no i remember it well mom can you help can you buy me this <laughs> do not advocate that at all yeah um, so when I remember when I got RE2 it was actually because it was included with the Playstation at the time so uh, actually it was a pure coincidence that I got it no control oh, for that. No yeah control, the yeah. best damn coincidence ever though <laughs> wouldn't be where you are now without it yeah 
So you said, obviously, uh, Claire was your role models, but what about your kind of favourite game of the series? Was that is Resident Evil 2 your favourite or there are others? Or another? Oh, <laughs> so this is a really difficult question. I, In general, I struggle to pick favourites, both when it comes to gaming or music or movies or anything. But if there was one game I absolutely had to choose, it would actually be Code Veronica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's think about it. It has both Claire and Chris, right? The Redfields paired up. The game is relatively long. I actually feels feel like it has a lot more content or just a lot longer, a lot more length to it than RE2 and 3. The atmosphere in the areas are super creepy, incredible, especially, you know, the palace or Alfred and Alexia's private mansion and then even later on in the Antarctica levels. Um, the story is absolutely amazing. I loved it. And the soundtrack, let's face it, it has an incredibly underrated soundtrack. So Superb soundtrack. I that on CD. Yeah. 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 I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think that is kind of like the unofficial, official, general consensus. <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial, uh, official, yes. <laughs> official, unofficial. <laughs> Other contenders, though, for my number one are definitely RE2 and 3, but then there's also Outbreak. I am a huge, huge fan of Outbreak myself. And quite rightly too. What a superb game, Outbreak. Oh my god. We often talk about it on the podcast. We just say it's, it's far, far too ahead of its time. Thank you. Just what I was about to say. It's yeah. what I always tell my stream as well. You know, this game is way ahead of its time. It's a shame because, yeah. What a great idea. A HD port of the Outbreak games would be, right, Kat? <laughs> 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 oh <my> god. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in PAL regions, of course, with Outbreak, there wasn't online support for the first game, so um, mm. it, unfortunate there. But yeah, ahead of its time, and dedicated fan servers still going strong and, and getting quite a lot of following. So um, yeah. cl- clearly, there's a desire for these mini self-contained storylines within Raccoon City. So. I was going to say, I went and got a network adapter just so I could play Outbreak online, the first one, and then they announced it wasn't going to have online. I was very, very disappointed. Oh. <laughs> I still don't know what that or why. I I think it was just server-based, I think. Just the internet just wasn't ready for that game, I don't mm. think. No, uh, I think that was it. And even, uh, to be fair, when I think about it now, even if I had been able to get online with it, because I never got online with Bio 2 either, because by then it came out so late and I kind of had been moving a lot. But uh, I could imagine even from where I am, it probably would have been very laggy and difficult to play with a lot of people. So it's oh, a bit yeah. of a shame. It must be sobering for you, Kat, to have to endure the archaic UK internet. I mean, compared to Sweden, maybe, but I've seen far worse too, so I'm not complaining. (laughs) Obviously, you were saying before that the series is 23 years old today. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the series has endured for so long? That is a really interesting question. So I think that in many ways, Resident Evil kind of spearheaded the survival horror genre. You know, it, it had a lot of firsts that it did, including utilizing pre-rendered backgrounds to at the time create almost photorealistic graphics that you know that looked stunning uh using proper voice acting uh, which was actually if i recall still quite a bit rare for games back in the day still pioneering jump scares quite well as well with the whole dogs jumping through the windows birds crashing on the in the second floor liquors through the mirrors and tyrants through walls here and there and um it's just kind of super exciting to look back and realize that, hey, 20 years, you know, we're, we're still kind of doing this even with the RE engine and with the, um, 
the RE2 remake, mm-hmm. you know, just when it comes to the, I previously mentioned the photorealistic scanning. So now we're, we're, we're kind of actually doing this now with the RE engine and the photogrammetry, as it's called. Well, I think the point about the RE engine was obviously it was developed primarily for Resident Evil 7. And uh, I think a lot of fans are like, well, how's it going to play with Resident Evil 2? And um, I think the, the results have been spectacular. Yeah, no, it's it's been incredible. <laughs> and especially, like I said, for someone like myself who started the journey 21 years ago with Resident Evil 2, I, I've done a lot of comparisons between the original and the new one. like that. But back to the question, I think I mentioned this earlier as well, but another huge factor to why RE might have had such a huge success is just that I feel like the RE games capture the essence of mystery perfectly, constantly make you you think what's going on, what's happening here, what is the actual underlying story. And the only thing that's better than actually trying to uncover one of these dark mysteries is also being terrified while doing it. So (laughs) just, you know, Overall, I think it's uh, safe to say that the survival horror genre might be making a comeback as well, thanks to RE2. Mm. Yeah, we all hope so. If, yeah. <laughs> if, well, so if the sales figures are anything to go by, then um, you know the future's looking quite bright. And not just the sales figure, but just the comments and the reviews and everything else that's gone with it. It's... It's been very positive. It has, and I would agree with what you said, Kat, when we touched upon it a bit earlier, actually, that the mystery element of each game is certainly an enduring factor. Um, I'm often lambasted of the podcast for believing that the source of the original Resident Evil was the house itself. Um, <laughs> so um, I remember playing the first one and almost awaiting for the house to suddenly come alive in some kind of weird thing. Right. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> No, no, no. I actually really enjoy that topic. I think I've heard this before as well. Uh, someone actually referring to the house almost as, a, I mean, don't take this literally, but almost kind of like an evil entity on its own. I mean, it is the it resident is. evil. This is where evil is resident. This is where evil lives, the house of evil. Now, obviously, Resident Evil has a much wider story arc than that, but it is kind of the place where all things began and if spencer hadn't set up facility there you know well, exactly. maybe all the things that happened wouldn't have happened in the same way i was a similar age to you Kat, at the time and then the back of the power box at least it says you know we, you know discover the source of the resident evil and i thought well that's, <laughs> you know that's, i thought i'd connected the dots but very far off but yeah but yeah but it, you said it's that mystery element that keeps you in each game and it kind of amps up the mystery somewhat that i think that's certainly retained the um, yeah the fun fact and it does it doesn't seem to matter either whether the mystery is set in a house or a mansion or a police station or even parts of Raccoon City because it just always feels like the mystery is there somehow. Mm. It might take on a different shape or form, but it's definitely there. And yeah, that's one of the reasons to why I just always enjoyed the Resident Evil games. Obviously, with the remake 2 being very much in the hands of the public at the minute, it's fair to say that RE2 was a proper fan favourite and hype for a remake was in place long before the game was even announced. So how did you find the excitement um, in your role from the fans and was it any different from like you know, that of RE7, do you think? Hmm, so... <laughs> I actually notice a lot more enthusiasm and just general e-chatter about Resident Evil in recent years. This applies to, even by the way, before I started working for Capcom, uh, with Resident Evil 7, I feel like the community was really excited and enthusiastic because it was something brand new. Uh, It was kind of an unexplored territory, you know, Resident Evil in first person, brand new story, brand new area. Now, obviously, we know as hardcore fans that uh, Resident Evil has had some concepts before of being in first person, but it never actually made it into any final games. Um, so that was exciting. People wanted to find out more about that. 
But with Resident Evil 2, it was a really fascinating mixture of, I guess, longing and nostalgia for something familiar that was coming back, you know, and yet so much anticipation because people were still wondering, well, what did they change? What did they keep the same? It was kind of like people were excited about something familiar, but also something very fresh. And I think this is also something we've used during the campaign as well, that Resident Evil 2 is meant to make you feel like, hey, you're returning to something familiar, but it's also something fresh, so you, you can't know exactly what to expect. Obviously, the um, the love for the game is so sort of well-known by now, but how did you find the feedback for the game since its release? Oh, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. I've had so many positive comments rolling in ever since. Well, since the one-shot demo even. Um, I mean, even before then, to the trade shows that were open to public and, you know, there's been positive comments, but especially ever since the one-shot demo, things blew up. And um, when the game came out, it just got really, really crazy. And it filled me with so much joy seeing people tell me about their first experiences with the game, telling me all about their cozy stay in weekends with friends and partners and I got to sit down and watch so many clips and playthroughs as well. And, you know, I was cracking up at that. I'm always welcome to take any other new feedback. And I always want to make sure that you guys stay up to date with what's happening. And I always want to make sure to stay up to date with what you guys think. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media as well. Uh, if you want to give your feedback. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. We take you up on that offer. <laughs> as you said, it's a game that you're aware of how you think the game's going to go. And then it kind of gives you a 180 even from small things and thinking where the liquor's going to turn up, he's not there and he turns up later to the way Mr. X just does not, does not stop. And uh, <laughs> you cannot outrun him and think you're safe, oh, up, yeah. safe up the ladder. No, no, no. Uh, and that, you know, it's those kind of um, elements that I think were introduced somewhat in the remake of the original games, such as not having the dogs kind of jump through the window where you think they were. Mm. But I think this, yeah. this game took it to the next level. And although you knew the area, you didn't really have a clue what was coming. <laughs> you knew the area, but you didn't necessarily know the circumstances under which you would have to navigate that area, yeah. such as, you know, having that triple threat suddenly. You have tyrants and lickers and zombies and everything chasing after you. And it, uh, that previously wasn't possible due to the game's limitations. Of but, course. Hey. I'll say that the one-shot demo was so cruel that I thought we had 30 minutes, but I could die as many times as, as I would like. And inevitably, I died very quickly <laughs> into my into my. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, and, uh, and I was just, I just wanted to play it again, and uh, I was like, no, no. So an effective, if not cruel, uh, <laughs> strategy. But no, it, it worked. It, it did work. Well, yeah, it really did. Yeah. And actually, you know, talking about like the compare it to Resident Evil Seven, which obviously helped start build up. I think the the demo of that had an equally profound effect on the excitement for the game as well. It showed mm-hmm. it showed enough of it and gave people a good understanding of what was going on, but at the same time, felt very helpless in it in that kind of scenario as well yeah <laughs> it's just great to see like a demo you know coming back as well because they've been sort of something that's been lost over the years and the fact that they use the two make or the resident evil 2 remake you know in, in the uk we had the uk playstation magazine 10 minute demo and that you know that was an entry point for a lot of people over here for the series was that demo so it's kind of nice that they paid it almost like a tribute if you like by doing the one shot yeah, I actually remember reflecting on that as well around the one-shot demo announcement. So that was that was a lot of fun, yeah. I think I was a bit too young. Like the the original RE2 demo was a bit before my time, but I have definitely heard stories about it. Talking about RE2 then, what campaign did you go first? Leon or Claire first and and why? I can guess. 
Oh, I, I think this one should be obvious. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I started off with Claire. Um, she is definitely my all-time favorite character. And like I said, she was a huge inspiration for me growing up. So I just I had to see her side first. And she does arrive on a cool motorcycle, which is cooler than yeah, exactly. entrance, in my opinion. But... Harley Davidson now. Yeah, and a uh, 1998 appropriate Harley Davidson, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. What was it back in the day? Was it a Ducati? That's in Vendetta. Oh, Duc- right. Capcom had a deal with Ducati. For, I, that you could be right. You could be right. Uh, I, I definitely I, I, heard I, of her RE2 bike being described as a Ducati, but um, I think do it's not know. it's obviously non-brand and it's generic in its design. Yeah, it just looks like a, like a generic shapeless. Well, not shapeless, but just like a generic silver bike. I'm not allowed yeah. to talk about car and motorcycle manufacturers on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that, not that story again. <laughs> That's a bit of an injury. <laughs> Going back to Resident Evil 2 then. I mean, now I'm curious. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, it, it, to do with the quiz, and it was a kind of like an odd one out question. And ra- rather than have an intellectual odd one out in terms of perhaps the canon storyline or where one's just, going. Just ask her the question and see if she gets it. <laughs> no, I can't remember. It was, it was surnames of characters. So Yoko, was, Suzuki, and Kevin well, Ford. What, what, yeah, what links these two characters? And so everyone's thinking, oh, my God. In universe, what what links these two characters? Oh, I don't know. And then he's like, they're both manufacturers of motor vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> it was... I, see, I would have gotten that. I would have. <laughs> yes. yes you Why, got... Where were you on that episode? Yeah, where yeah. were you on that episode? <laughs> Oh dear! I didn't think we'd be bringing out those stories in this podcast, but there we go. Hey, you brought, you brought it up. You had to bring it up. You know. Well, I I left, I left it as a as a rhetorical, open ended comedy <laughs> moment. I wasn't expecting. You got asked. Got... You had to expect these things. Quite right. Cat. Right. Back on track. Back, back on, on track. Tra- back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I suppose the, uh, a question you probably ask quite a lot. What's your favourite and kind of personal favourite moment of Resident Evil Two remake? Oh uh, wow, this is this is a bit of a tough one because between. Leon's boyish fibs and more or less gullible interactions with Ada yep. <laughs> and the usual and Mr. X and G part uh, and all the other amazing parts in the game, you know, like the orphanage. It's it's hard to pick one thing, but I guess if I had to choose, it would probably be the Claire and Sherry part in the lab towards the end. Now, disclaimer, obvious spoilers ahead if you haven't played RE2, but uh, <laughs> Claire's there. You know, she's she's taking care of an infected dying girl. So Sherry's been infected with the G-virus at this point. Claire doesn't really know her. Uh, she's only known her for, what, a few hours, but she is already uh, risking her life for Sherry. Claire cared for Sherry more than Annette, her own mother, did, and the girl had no one. And I just remember feeling so horrible for her, especially with how this was all portrayed in RE2 Remake. And there was just something about how Claire looked after her and put her first. And Claire, who's this tough, badass lady, you know, she's lost her parents and quite possibly her brother, because at this point she doesn't know. And she's not scared or selfish. She's not thinking about herself because Sherry is her number one concern. And I remember sitting playing this in the office a late evening last year and I just remember crying so bad. I cried oh. so much and I was hoping that no one saw because honestly I was just so touched by the chemistry and I was thinking back on the original game and just kind of a huge, huge wave of nostalgia hitting me. Um, it kind of felt like I'd traveled back in time. 
it's funny. It's something that we actually touched upon um, in, in one of our previous ones. The you, you're right. The, the interactions between Claire and Sherry right at the end are very powerful, and we all kind of collectively thought that the portrayal and the voice acting in particular was extremely uh, emotive. Yeah. And uh, on the train as well, I think was a point we commented. I think when she gives her the jacket, and you know, I think there's a couple of quips about either the smell going for a shower. I think yeah. Um, yeah. It, it didn't seem off, you know, considering all the horror they went through. It still worked. No. It felt genuine because we both know how Claire is. We both know that, like, we all know that Claire is that type of person to crack these jokes under extreme circumstances. And it's possible Sherry might have, you know, taken on a bit after her when she grew up. And fast forward to the whole RE6 thing, which, different story, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it it was just amazingly touching and um, huge shout out to... Steph Panicello and uh, I don't remember who did Sherry right now unfortunately but they both did a stellar job. So uh, you obviously do a lot of streaming and a lot of uh, community content and everything and you you definitely stay in touch with them. Is there anything we can expect to see specifically in the upcoming months on Twitter and other mediums that you operate for Capcom? Well, besides the usual memes and throwbacks and screenshots and GIFs and streams, there's not too much. I'm I'm currently working on a couple of video projects, uh, one which you might have seen yesterday, which is like a community reactions compilation video. Uh, I'm also working on a couple of other videos that you guys will hopefully get to see soon. And then obviously with the Switch ports of RE0 Remake and 4 coming out later this year, or well, 21st of May, that you can expect plenty of new content. Great. Is there such thing as a typical day as a community manager? Wow, it's interesting. It's funny. Um, when I joined, I remember asking the very same question. Like, so what does a community manager do? do on a daily basis and the thing is there is no such thing as a typical day for a cm (laughs) because uh this can vary a lot a community manager is actually still a very new job title and i think that a lot of people might think that it just involves posting on social media and mainly taking care of the social accounts where um whereas this can actually vary quite greatly between companies. So for me, there's certainly less glamorous days when I just make Excel sheets and plan out the social schedules or fart around (laughs) like that. Uh, There's also days when I record and edit videos, voiceovers. I plan out a live stream or do a live stream. Uh, Sometimes I just actually sit down and play the games because you need to... You work. need to make sure that you stay in the loop, yeah. Work, yeah. <laughs> Great work, but work. <laughs> no, jokes aside, it is a very versatile job. Um, there's also very fast-paced days when I am out participating in or planning for or hosting a big uh, event. Uh, so sometimes you need to organize everything for that. And trust me, that is one of the most stressful things you can possibly do is organize big community events. <laughs> Then there's also the behind the scenes stuff that CMs no one do. So you have to be very good at keeping secrets and keeping a lid on things. <laughs> you have to be, I think you have to be decently good with people. And even though I adore the Resident Evil community, you do have to have a lot of patience. That's <laughs> <laughs> very polite. It's very polite. I, I think that's a very valid point. A very valid yeah. point. But, but um, all in all, it's just, it, it's a very fun and 
fast-paced and versatile job and honestly you you never know what the day will have in store for you so you just you better be ready it's impressive that you've gone from you know you were saying when you uh were applying for the job and then you got down to the to the last round that you had never flown before and now you're doing organizing all these events and going to all these things all over the place i mean that alone it must be just an incredible change it is it is i've seen so much personal growth and development and uh, just in the past 11 months and um very very lucky and fortunate to get to do what I do and work with the amazing people I get to work with. I'm, I'm just going to follow that through. Have you had a specific event that you've managed to go to that you you just couldn't believe that you were at or had organized or you know that you were involved with that you just went, wow, I can't believe I'm here? Yeah, so there are a couple of occasions. <laughs> the first one being E3 last year, obviously, when we were to announce the game. Um, <laughs> uh, I knew everything. No one else did. So... I just had to tell people, hey, uh, I'm going away for a few days, but it's just a vacation. <laughs> but uh, no, being there and being at E3, that was incredibly surreal. Like actually getting to soak in LA and be there and meeting all these wonderful people. It was it was honestly, I'm still in shock. I still can't believe <laughs> I did that. <laughs> And the second thing was the start of this year when I organized a local community event and um, two of the developers for the game came over, not just developers, actually, the producer, uh, Yoshiaki Hirabayashi and uh, the director, Kazunori Kadoi, uh, they came over. So we had a big community meet and greet and we did some fun challenges and stuff. And that was a lot of fun. I think that was a huge success considering it was just me and one other person who organized it. Was that, so, yeah. was that at the bar, cat? Yes, that was Loving uh, Bar. I tried to move heaven and earth to get to that. And <laughs> yeah. It just, it just all fell through. <laughs> I was devastated, honestly devastated, but thank you. If I'd still been in London, I definitely would have come to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe in the future. We'll see. You guys have to drop by. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're the, the go-to girl to find out what's happening with the series and updates from Capcom. So how can people follow you and Capcom's Resident Evil page on Twitter? So I need to separate things a bit here because first of all, we have the official brand channels, which are at RE underscore games. That is our official Twitter. And then we have Resident Evil Standard, which is our Facebook page. We also have an Instagram uh, that I believe is also RE underscore games. So please feel free to check them out. So this is where we will post all our uh, official content and news and anything pertaining to the games. And then I also have my, it's weird, official, unofficial, personal pages. <laughs> so my Twitter is at I am catastrophe, catastrophe with a K. And then I do have a Facebook page, which I don't use as much, so it's not important. But um, I do have an Instagram as well, which is Catastrophe TV. Uh, these unofficial pages are more just for me talking about uh, my life, my stories, maybe some behind the scenes work stuff. Uh, I talk a lot about Resident Evil, of course, and um, Dragon's Dogma as well, because I just became the community manager of that as well. So anything behind the scenes type of stuff, that's going to be all on my page. And obviously, I also echo the main RE pages and I answer community questions. So that's it for me. That was quite a lot <laughs> to take in. But it shouldn't be hard to find me on social media. I have a decent presence. Well, thank you, Kat, for um, your time with this. We are really grateful and we're really pleased that you've been able to uh, answer yeah. the questions that we've presented to you. We're very grateful. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's it's a great honor. I loved your work for a long time. So 
it's good to be here. Thank you. Well, you say that because now, <laughs> now we entered into uncharted territory as things will get serious. It's the treacherous world of Neptune's biohazard quiz. Oh no! <laughs> dread this. The quiz, a test of knowledge, especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment, usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, is this man the quiz master? It's not going to be one of these quizzes, <laughs> I think well, we look, should be. I think we should get another question, John, don't you? Already fallen into controversy. Already fallen into controversy. Yeah, well, that, that was to be expected. I'm, I'm once again, Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So the rules, well, I'll say the rules, there are five questions, I'll read out the five questions, so it'll give you time to think about the answers, and then I'll go back, and then we'll get answers from each from one of you. I'd recommend clearing your desktops, I would recommend opening up Notepad, or it better still, a pen and paper, so you can remember <laughs> the questions, but... Strap in, here we go. <laughs> question number one. This is a question from Yoke, one of our followers. Resident Evil 2 remake question, so here we go. In the Mizoil petrol station, what flavours of herb ice cream are available? What? Uh, I know the herb ice cream thing. This, now, is gonna this be... went around, I think, on social media a bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no excuse, champs, no excuses. Right, so that's question one. Question number two. Which family member... Sorry, from Resident Evil 3, sorry. Which family member does Dario Rosso say has died when confronted by Jill Valentine? Question number three. Code Veronica question, Cap. Oh. Where do you find D.I.J. in the Code Veronica battle game mode? He appears in the main game, but he also appears... Uh, here's, a, here's a specific moment where he jumps out. That's a clue. Uh, in the battle mode game. Question at number four. In Resident Evil Zero, you find an old photograph showing James Marcus graduating. What year is this? Sorry, it's a bit of a timeline question. One of Batman's specialities. And finally, question number five. We go back to Remake 2. According to the file, the letter from Claire's best friend, how long has it been since Claire last heard from Chris? So there are the five questions. Join us after this when we'll run through those answers. So what's the first thing you want to do when we get out of here? I want to see where you live. Good. Bye. Take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> really? That bad? Oh yeah. Claire! Leon! It's so good to see you! I told you we'd make it, didn't I? <sighs> you did. 
Welcome back to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Let's see how everyone has done. So question number one was flavour, ice cream flavour. So in the Mizoil petrol station, what flavours of herb ice cream are available? Batman, what's your answers? Um, oh, I have no idea. I'm just going to have to say green and red herb ice cream. Okay. Star Star. And... I have no idea. Green, red and blue ice cream. Green, red and blue ice cream. Uh, Rombi? Uh, green, red, blue yellow yeah I'm, go- I'm going with reasonable four combo cat it's actually green red blue and yellow which is really funny because yellow is not an herb in re2 <laughs> 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 uh, but it's still there um yes. and i don't believe we actually ever confirmed what the flavors are that was kind of left up for speculation <laughs> but i do know there's four flavors how they taste like that's up to you <laughs> Correct. I think you should take over as Quizmaster because that was very informed. Absolutely, yes. Uh, points to Robin Cat. It is green, red, yellow, and herb. So well done then. Question number two was from Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. What family member does Dario Rosso say has died when confronted by Jill Valentine's cat? We'll start with you for this one. He says, I just lost my daughter out there. How dare you tell me to go back inside? Or outside, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it's his daughter. Full quotation. Uh, Rombi? Yeah, I was going to say daughter, but I don't even... There's the quote. I... <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. Believe it or not, I was going to answer this question with the quote in the sort of performance way, but we have a rival performer <laughs> on the podcast now. Dario Rosso, uh, Dario Rosso confirmed. I was going to say daughter. I actually believe the uh, voice actor for... Dario Rosso passed away, by the way. Oh, the voice. That was the a while back. Oh, was he? I did not know that. He's also yeah. the voice. Oh, I didn't know. God, what was his name? I don't. I don't recall, but I. I do believe he passed. So, God. Okay, uh, Batman. What did you put? Yeah, daughter. Put daughter as well. Points all round. Well done. Well done. Question number three was: Where do you find Dij, the secret elusive mouse, in the Code Veronica battle game mode? Stars Tyrant. Did you know this one? I actually didn't. I've had a complete mental block. I know you get the um, diary in the casino if you're lucky, but yep. um, I actually don't know where he appears in the battle game. Mm. I am sorry. I'm going to have to pass. Rumby? I couldn't remember either. I could just remember the ones from the main game. Uh, I want to say it's something to do with the uh, slot machine thing, but I could be completely wrong. It's the only thing that's coming to mind, but I could be completely off with that. Cat? I know of several areas that he appears in the main game, but I think I often mix it up. Like, I mix up the uh, main game versus the battle game location, so I'm going to have to take a pass. (laughs) I feel like a failure. No, don't be silly. Don't be silly. Uh, Batman? I have no idea. I've never, ever played the Code Veronica battle game. Have you? (gasps) Wow. Okay, that's a shocker, even for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good good minigame. It is. First person as well, isn't it? First person, yeah. You can choose, I believe, between first and third. Well, it's a point to Rombi. It is the slot machine. Well done. Oh. On form. Nice. Well, so is he, is, he, is he in it then? Yes. You, if you click on the slot machine, I think playing as either Wesker... Well, I've seen it playing as Wesker, then he leaps out. I thought no, that I was know. the case, because I was thinking to myself, I, it was the same thing Kat said, that I get it confused with all the others, because obviously he appears several different times throughout the main game. Mm-hmm. But I just had this weird flashback to... Because you have each character obviously has those different um, <laughs> ability things where they do a 
uh, pose or they, you know, Wesker looks at the eye thing yes. and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just had this memory of this something to do with the slot machine. The only thing I do know about Code Veronica Battle Game is that room where you get the slot machine because it's in first person. The ceiling is actually, the whole ceiling is an aquarium with fish going round, but because of the camera angles, you never see it in the main game. Is it? So the only way to see it, yeah, the only way to see it is in the battle game. Wow, yeah. there you go. So yeah, point there to Rombi. So question number four, it was in Resident Evil Zero, you find the old photograph of James Marcus graduating. What year did he graduate? Stars Tyrant. 1939. Confidently said 1939. Batman. 1939. Cat. 1939. Uh, Rob. Well, I'm going to have to go with 1939, aren't I? Well, it depends. Is that what you put? Said it. I put 1940, but that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're very we're very honest. So you said 1940. I said 1940. I'm afraid that's incorrect, Rob. It is 1939. So points <laughs> to everyone there. Well done. And finally, it's very tight now. Question number five. According to the file, the letter from Claire's best friend, which you find, I think, is uh, straight away in her item uh, pack. In the, in the that's the, Thank you. How long has it been since Claire last heard from Chris? Kat, you can go first on this one. I honestly don't remember. I think it might just be a month. I'm just going to go with one month. Go for one month. Okay, Batman. It's one month. Star Tyrant. <laughs> I'd written three weeks for some reason. I had a bit of a blank on it. Romby. To be exactly honest, I said about a month. I think is what I've written. It is. It's yes. It is a month. So points there for Batman, Rob, and Cat. Exactly one month. It says it's quite an interesting file. Actually, she's um. Don't leave me. You know, make sure you come back and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it's. I'm it's assuming it's as well how how she kind of points out the um you know oh just a lonely girl on the road by herself uh which kind of points back to the fact it kind of references the fact that she also has a defensive gun. So one of the questions I often get is why would a young 19-year-old girl have a revolver with her. Well, why not? She's traveling alone. You never know what might happen. So it, it kind of shows the influences that Chris might have had on her as well. Basically exactly what I was her, about to say. Yeah. yeah. That, that she, she's got a brother who's, who's an officer. Obviously, something happened to their parents. You know, like, she's so she really is by herself in the sense that it's just her and her brother. You know, yeah, it makes sense. It does. So let's have a look at those final scores. So in fourth place, it starts Tyrant with two. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's actually third place. In second place, it's Batman with three. Begrudging acceptance, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he disappeared somewhere, I'm guessing. <laughs> he's, he's like, a pain no, silence. No, he's <laughs> and in first place, though, a joint first place, I would say, Rob and Kat, it's four out of five. Congratulations yes. to you. Nice. Well done, well done. Awesome. So that does conclude this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Join us next time where we'll have some more questions. So that does conclude generally our podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening. We uh, I'll just extend my uh, further thanks to Kat for joining us and sharing her experiences as the community manager and being a great sport in doing our quiz as well. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great, great podcast. And if you're listening out there, please make sure to give Project Umbrella Podcast a nice big follow. Thank you very much. Oh, that's very, we very appreciate that. Thank you very much. Just to uh, keep everyone up to date, what's coming up soon? 
on the podcast and our Facebook pages, we will be revisiting the biggest selling Resident Evil game ever on its 10th, well it's past its 10th anniversary now, but Resident Evil 5, oh yes. We're going to be doing a huge Resident Evil 5 retrospective blowout, looking at the game's lasting impact, the gameplay mechanics, the much heralded DLC, as well as the thorny question of Wesker. Is he alive or is he dead? Hmm. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, in the coming uh, few weeks, so keep your eyes out for that. But Can't believe it's gone. 10 years. 10 years. Ah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Most people remember where they were when it was um, when the trailers yeah. were dropped. And, oh. Mind you, I, I've been playing this franchise for twenty three of the twenty three years now. So what's another ten? Oh, what's another ten? Yeah, absolutely. that's another ten. Exactly, wasn't it? <laughs> so on that note, thank you very much for listening, and again, uh, thank you to Cat. But it's goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye from me, Rombie. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>